Well, greetings, friends, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to be with you again for our Wednesday Bible classes. And uh, I trust that I trust that our time together will be profitable toward a real increase of Christ working in us the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ with regard to himself and with regard to who he is. We're, in these Wednesday classes, we're dealing with the reality of being in Christ. What, what a tremendous thing that is. What a tremendous thing that is. While because of, I don't know, the misteaching of some theologies, the lack of understanding of union with Christ, while that condition in the church world today causes believers to yet, to be yet looking, looking ahead at some point in time. And friends, what I'm about to read to you and what I am talking to you about was fulfilled in Christ in a very manifest reality over 2,000 years ago. It was taught by Christ himself the Lord Jesus for three and a half years confirming the covenant that God had made with Abraham with Abraham confirming that to the Jews who called themselves at that time the seed and children of Abraham. He taught that to his disciples, this glorious union that we now have with him. It is a heavenly reality. In fact, it is the reality of heaven and heavenly places. It's something that Paul teaches in every one of his epistles, every single one of them, again and again. The believer's union with Christ. Over and above forgiveness of sins, because our union with Christ is not based upon forgiveness of sins. To say that sins have been forgiven, yes. But to do that, then you've got to go to the cross and find out that the cross deals with so much more than that. Oh, certainly that, but so much more. The whole purpose of the cross is to bring us into our union with Christ. And we find that 
union with him by dwelling in him. So we've been talking about that, being in Christ. Not a place where we're going, a place where we now are. Not something that's far off. Nigh, oh yes, I'd say nigh. He dwelleth in you, and we in him. I was recently reading a book. In fact, I've recently read a bunch of books, just going back and looking at at the theologies that acknowledge union with Christ but not now. Using verses like John 14, all the way through that first chapter, and particularly John 3, where the Lord is about to go to his death. He's about to go to the cross. When I say about to, I mean within several days of his crucifixion of his death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension, and within 50 days of his coming anew, coming again. And yet, I've read from one commentator after another, and then from many of those who focus upon that as a reality, but not really a reality, more or less an event that took place 70 years later. And while there was certainly an event that took place 70 years later called the absolute and total destruction of Jerusalem and of that whole system built around the old temple, the old temple, Solomon's temple became the old temple and all of the revisions that it had to it up until and including the time of Christ. And the Lord speaking to the Pharisees in that very temple, in that very temple, told them that that temple would be destroyed imminently. Imminently. When they challenged him for emptying it out, chasing those that were selling sacrifices and whatnot in it, And they challenged his authority. And he said, destroy this temple. Standing there right in their midst. Standing there. Because not long before that, it all happened in that three years. Not long before that, he had stood in that very same temple. He had taken the scroll of the scripture that was handed to him. And he opened that scroll, he opened that book, 
and read from the prophets concerning himself. In Isaiah and in other places as well. And declared to them that that very day, that very day, what they had heard was fulfilled in their very midst, and presented himself as the fulfillment of it. What I'm saying here, hon, is that the scriptures are fulfilled in Christ himself, and in no one else, not in any other event. The fulfillment is not in events. The fulfillment is in the person. Hun, events have come and gone. Even an event as notorious as 70 A.D., the destruction, and many other events we could talk about, and I'm not in the mood to talk about them right now, because as an event, they're all historical, but our union with Christ is not historical. It really never was historical. And I trust you can understand what I'm trying to say. For instance, when Christ went to the cross, it was on the Jewish day of Passover, feast of Passover, and, and, and he took that right out of history into himself. Honey, he didn't offer another lamb or a bullock or any such thing. Now, the Jews were offering all of that, but he didn't. He offered himself and took Passover right out of history. Same way with Pentecost when it came. He took that right out of history by coming anew himself in spirit to dwell in, actually to create his body. But John 14, he tells about that. He talks about his, his going away and his coming anew. There is no event that was anywhere near that except the cross. And anyone who has some kind of basic understanding of the tabernacle of Moses and the day of atonement knows that what he said there was not speaking of yet a time to come. The time that was to come was spoken of by Moses in the tabernacle and also was spoken of by Solomon in the temple. Christ himself, the greater than Moses and the greater than Solomon and the greater than the temple, wasn't speaking of another event to come. He was speaking of himself. Destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. Now, the Jews were so blind at that time. That they, they accused him of telling them that this temple, which had been in its renewed sense by several had taken a number of years to be renewed, to stand as it was, 
How will he do it in three days? But he spoke, the scriptures says there, he spoke of his body. Not only the body of his death, but the body of his resurrection. And the body in, of which and in which he would be the fulfillment of every promise concerning the glory of God that had ever been given. And yet this last two weeks I've read from a brother who's a precious brother. He's dead now, you know, I mean out of this body. He's, he's no longer living in the flesh. But, he, but even he was pointing to a glory yet to come. And I thought, my Lord, what about the glory that is come? What about Christ in you? The fulfillment of the hope concerning glory. The expectation concerning glory. He came not to give another one, but to fulfill the one that had already been given. What about the promise of glory? He didn't come to make a promise. He came to fulfill the one that had already been given. And all the prophecies of suffering and then the glory that would follow that. Well, he didn't come to talk about a time that was to come beyond himself. He was declaring himself to be that very reality when he was talking to his disciples and he said, I will come. Prepare this place for you, and I will come and receive you unto myself. When? Well, darling, he was talking to disciples that were about to face the greatest crisis that ever came upon the face of this world. The cross. It wasn't there where just, you know, one among the many that died, well, another one died too. No, no, no. No. He's the only one that actually died the death of the cross, fulfilling all the promises, the promises, and the types and shadows of the cross itself. And he took that unto himself. And there he represented the death, well, he more than represented it. He brought about into his own flesh the death of all humanity, past, present, and future. Thereby opening himself as the door to their salvation and to their coming through that door into the glory of God, which he himself is. Well, I know I've thrown a lot together there, but what I'm trying to tell you, hon, I read in these books that I was reading, how that in one place he was prophesying of a thing that would happen 70 years later. In another place he was prophesying there of something he would do and hasn't done yet, according to these writers, that much of the church world was raised upon and listened to even to this day. And he was talking of himself. This whole series, the reality of being in Christ and, and everything else that I'm presently talking about in whatever means and by whatever methods that I am speaking, is based upon, with me, a theme of the exalted view of Christ. What, 
What an exalted view of Christ we need, huh? What an exalted view of Christ we need. And that view is central, not to some event. That view is central to the cross. Because the cross gathers into itself his death, yes, but oh, what a death. His burial, same as goes for it. And his resurrection, oh, my, my. Also, his ascension is gathered into the cross, and his coming anew is gathered into the cross. He does that in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. He draws all of that into himself, him being the work, the finished work of the cross. Or shall I say the cross being the finished work of Christ. You can't separate the two anyway. And it's just sad that in our church world today we're not even preaching really a finished work of forgiveness of sins. (laughs) Let alone everything else that is bound up with the cross. Glory is bound up with the cross. Grace is bound up with the cross. Judgment is bound up with the cross. And more and more, sanctification, more and more. Righteousness bound up with the cross. And that, in so many places, by so many, is still being looked for in some future event that simply is never going to happen because it is already fulfilled in Him. Our salvation is not based upon an event. Our salvation is based upon the foundation of the person. And everything of our salvation, the knowledge of our salvation, is based upon the foundation of that person. It is God revealing that person as the foundation. There's not a foundation and then the person. The person is the foundation. And there's not a revealing of the person and then a revealing of a foundation. No, there's a revealing of the foundation in the person. It is God showing our salvation. And I feel so badly for those who simply, in the ignorance of their own heart or stubbornness, one or the other, will not accept that. So I want to read something to you, and then I'm going back to our lesson book here, the uh, manual, because I want to gather up some things. And I've been two days looking at this. Yesterday and the day before and last night. And I decided I'm just going to gather up some things today because I want to get on to the reality of the glory under which we have now come in Christ. But I don't want to just throw that in. So I want to talk about the reality of our being in Christ, but I want to do that 
from the standpoint of some of these scripture that I'm going to read to you here, Ephesians, Ephesians 1. And I'm, I'm going to be very spotty in this because we've talked about all of these things again and again and shall do so again and again in, in, in lessons to come. But in Ephesians 1, uh, 9 and 10, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. And please do not, do not, just please do not. Try to find that mystery outside of the person of Christ himself. Because the mystery of God is Christ. He said himself, no man knoweth who the Father is, but the Son, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father. And again, when Peter said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God, he looked at Peter and he said, See in me in the flesh, see in me in flesh and blood, and nothing that I have done in flesh and blood has shown this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. And it's the same revealing that Paul talks about. It's the revealing of the person of Christ himself. And this is the work of the Spirit of God in you and I today. And he's not simply showing us what is already done. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth is showing those who look for him the person. The person. Not just what God hath already done, but the person of what God has already done. Because you can get caught up on the things and never really understand them, such as grace. In the person himself. In the person himself. All the blessings of God and all the riches of God in Christ. You can get a hold of that verse and some of the other verses. Declaring that that is true in Christ. And it is true in Christ. But hun, the blessings. And all the blessings and the riches of the blessings of God in Christ is not a bunch of things. It's the very dimension. It's the very length, depth, height, breadth, greatness of Christ himself. Not showing us things, but showing us all things in the face of Jesus Christ. Seeing him as who he truly is. The all things given of God. 
having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. My word, just look at that, according to his good pleasure, not just, you know, good things, which he hath purposed in himself. Now, we're going to find that all of this was on our behalf, the behalf of those who have come to Christ, who have been drawn by the Spirit of God, for no man cometh except the Spirit draw him, but for those who are now in Christ. But we have never been the center of this plan and purpose. We have been the recipients of that of which Christ himself is the center and the purpose and the glory and the knowledge, and the wisdom, and the understanding. It's all Him, hon. Oh, how we need, how we must come to the exalted view of Christ that Paul continually talks about and says, if he says anything along this line in Philippians 3, and I know that he does, But it is that exalted view that he's talking about in which he is not yet made perfect. That is, he has not come to the end, to all there is to that exalted view. But rather forgetting everything that was behind. Even things that spoke of that as a type and a shadow, putting it all behind. He has but one thing, one desire of his heart to press toward. And that is the absoluteness of that exalted view. The absoluteness of it. That he come to the end, to the goal that is set forth of God in Christ. And we're talking about eternity here, honey. We're talking about eternity here. And Paul was as well. But I've read again, scholars looking at that, and it's just pitiful. It's just pitiful. What so many are saying concerning Paul himself. And here is what I'm getting to, because all of this is based upon this thing that God made covenant with His Son. Now, we might be partakers of that covenant. It was made with His Son, and His Son is the absolute substance of it. And darling, you were only children of that covenant if the person of that covenant by his eternal spirit is now living in us. He's the word of it, the fullness of it, sureness of it, living word of it. Oh my. And it's simply this, that in the dispensation, now that word should be just taken out and thrown away. And in the government of it, that in the stewardship of it, that in the administration of it, that in the administration 
of the fullness of times. God himself bringing all the times of Israel and all of the times spoken of to Israel by the prophets. Bringing all of those times to their fullness in one, even in Christ. Including all things, both which are in heaven, which are on earth, even in Him, in whom we have obtained an inheritance. Which is what the whole of everything from Abraham on, most particularly, and that would go to everything from Genesis. And then from Moses, who wrote Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers and, you know, gathering up all of that with regard to the inheritance in in Abraham, in Isaac, in Jacob. In Joseph. Look at that. In whom we have obtained. Not we're going to one day. Oh Lord, Lord, Lord. Have obtained. That inheritance. And then he goes on and I can't stay here. I'll just go all the way through the book of Ephesians with you. The fullness of the times. Now, one other place. One other place. The fullness of the times. Then, just in Galatians. In Galatians. Galatians 4, I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors, until the time appointed of the father. You're talking about the Jews and them being under, primarily, now there's a spiritual thing about that, that I guess we could bring over into our growing up in Christ and coming from a childhood, uh, at least an immaturity, to a more mature view, and I'm not... I'm not limiting that, but the basis of what is written here is concerning what Paul was as a Jew, what Paul was as a Pharisee. And he's talking here about natural Israel of his day. but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. And yet so many of the writers would have me to, try, me to believe that no such time has yet taken place. The fullness of the times have come to their end, that is to their goal, that is to their completeness. They are gathered together, they are summed up and comprehended of God in Christ. 
Nothing yet left to be done concerning those times. Which go all the way back actually to Genesis, the first chapter. Nothing left to be done concerning those times. Get a hold, please, get a hold of that. Because that's what people are still waiting for, times. Times yet to come, my Lord. Not in Christ. And hon, what we're talking about in these little meditations with you is that we are now in Christ. That's the salvation to which we have come. He speaks of that, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And then in verse 20, he sums it up in saying, in that day, not some day yet to come, he was talking to his disciples. And he wasn't talking to them about something that was going to happen 2,000 years later. Or even, it wasn't 2,000 days later. Now, I haven't figured it out. I'm sure it was maybe 2,000 hours later. I don't know. But I do know that it didn't make it past the day of Pentecost, which was 50 days after Passover. And I know that he spent 40 days with them, and I know that he told them for the next 10 days after his ascension to go wait for him. And what he had promised them, that he would receive them unto himself. And they did. And he came. Well, I don't want to get off on the, on the term second, but we're going to look at that. Because at Pentecost, he did come as the second. As the second. Of which the Hebrew writer is speaking of him and quotes him as saying, I come to do thy will, O God that he taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. And Paul, talking about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, is separating there the first man from the second man. The second, who is the Lord from glory. And we have applied that to futuristic stuff, but nowhere in the Bible are those words even found. They're not found. It's simply not there. But the second is... And Christ fulfills that 
which we're going to look at in just a moment. Now, all of this is about our being in Christ. Now, I haven't looked at this manual yet. Well, that's all right. We'll get to it. I'm interested in the person who is living in you now. Should you be born from above? Should you be born again? That's our normal term, but it is born from above. Born of the one who is the out, the beginning and the ending. Beginning and ending has nothing to do with time. It has to do with the greatness of his person. Ah, if we could just get a hold of this. This business of being translated into the kingdom of His dear Son in Colossians. The better rendition is translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Paul talks about the same thing in Ephesians 1 when he says that God determined that we might be accepted in the Beloved, which is the same thing, the Son of His love. And in Romans 8, he talks about who, who. Also a lot of what's there, but mainly who. Who shall separate us from that son of his love? And our salvation is such a great salvation. It is such a full and complete salvation. No wonder the spirit of truth continually deals with our hearts that we may come to know Him and grow in the knowledge of who He is and be filled with the knowledge of who He is. It's our salvation that we're talking about upon which death hath no hold at all. In no way, shape, or form. What a reality. And it's just a shame to put that reality still beyond our reach. Well, that salvation that is given of God in Christ has always been beyond our reach, but not by a time factor, not by because it's hiding behind the curtain of another dispensation. The only curtain acknowledged of God was done away with at the time of the cross, and that was the curtain, the veil in the temple. There is no veil in Christ. It is done away. Done away. Uh, Galatians. Verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come. 
And see, we can't read these verses and say, even so we were on, we're children were under the bondage, under the elements of the world, and those directly late relate to the law and the age of the law and the elements of the law directly relate to that. Now, it doesn't take a Bible scholar to understand that and to find that just by looking at a word search. So this is not something I'm saying that is not real and not true. But I'm glad it doesn't read like this. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the law, under the elements of that age. But one day, when the fullness of time does come, God will deliver us from that. But that's... You you can't read those verses that way without totally just making some kind of an apostasy out of it. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth. And this is the time that's back up here, the time appointed of the Father. How was that time signified? Now, we read in Hebrews really about this same thing. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 and 3, we read that God, who in diverse manners and times, spoken to the fathers, by the prophets. And all of that, the Hebrew writer says, in time past. In time past. And see, up until the coming of Christ, that he's talking about here, the coming of Christ, the coming of Christ, born of a virgin, but particularly the coming of Christ to dwell in his body, the church. And the Hebrew writer is not looking ahead for that, but he is declaring that time has come. And it marks the end of those days of God speaking in diverse manners and diverse places and ways by the prophets hath at the end of those days. That's not only the intent of that verse, that is the much better translation of that verse, according to older manuscripts. Hath at the end of those days summed up everything in the person of his Son. This is exactly what I read you a while ago. The, the, the writing there is, hath spoken in Son. Not has continued to speak about Him, not know none of that. But hath spoken in Son. Now I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that except to say, honey, when the fullness of the time. 
the time. And yet, we still have so-called scholars and theologians. But lay that aside. Lay that aside. My heart is for precious believers in whom Christ now dwells, still looking for salvation to come to its fullness. And it already has. And his name is Jesus Christ, the indwelling Son of God. Who has received us into himself. And has said, you shall know, to become the understanding of your soul, that I am in my Father. I left, I have returned, and I have perfected the way, the truth, the life that I am, because I have returned with you dwelling in me. You'll know I'm in my Father. The very next thing he says, not in another chapter, not in another discourse, in that very sentence, and you in me, and I in you. Now, when I say the reality of being in Christ, I'm gathering that statement together. We have called it a threefold union. Just to stress the completeness of it. It's not being something that Christ did not do. There's no way that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, could make the statement that he did, the statement that is recorded in John 17. Now, the statement that's recorded in John 17 may actually have been made to the disciples at the same time he was talking to them as it is recorded in John 14. But the point is, this is what he did say. In speaking to his father, it is recorded of John there in John 17. Father, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Please, darling, don't, don't talk to me about a time yet to come regarding what the Father gave him to do. It's like he didn't get it done, so he's got to come back and do it again or do something that he didn't do. No. No. 
when he actually did return as he said he would. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you without a father. I'll not leave you as strangers. I'll not leave you without a family. Not leave you comfortless. But I will come again in another form, in the form of the Spirit Himself. I will come again. I will come again. Receive you unto Myself. And then again, just a few sentences after that, I will come again. I will not leave you in a situation to where you are in one place and I'm in another. And maybe in 2,000 years we'll get together. Now see how ridiculous that is. I spent a lot of time in years gone by in the history of the second and the third centuries. Oh, the truth that was lost there and replaced with organization and man. And misunderstanding and misappropriation resulting in something that was called the church. No, 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 I don't even want to go there. And then a reformation, and I'm not going to talk about that either, just to mention it. Because the church at that time didn't need to be reformed, it needed a revelation of Jesus Christ. But you know what? If you are born again, you still have the same spirit. And therefore, the very same Christ that the Father reveals is living in you. No matter what happened in the Dark Ages, no matter what happened in, uh, with Constantine and, 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 and all of that, no matter, and all the arguments of the, of, of, of the meetings and and of the convocations and all of that stuff and the creeds. Oh, Lord God, help us. The living word may have been lost view of, but the living word did not go away. If you are truly born from above, then you are born of the one and only seed of God. The only seed God ever has had. The only seed God will ever have. The seed who is now your new birth. Not of corruptible, but incorruptible seed. And listen to this, by the word, logos, logos. By the word, the eternal word of God. That is your new birth. Hallelujah. So what I'm saying is, yes, we've looked at history. We've gone back through it. We've seen many things that it took that took place. But that's, so what? It has nothing to do with the salvation that is found here in the scripture that is declared of God by His Spirit.
that is found in the person in which Paul found it. And all of the apostles. My, my, my. When was the fullness of time come? God sent forth his son. Made of a woman, made under the law. So we're talking about him coming out from glory. And going as it were. Directly to the cross. And that's what I meant when I was talking about the centrality of the cross. For there not only was the first taken away. Taken away. Because it was taken away in the person of Christ himself. There may have been a historical destruction. I'm sure there was. I know there was. I believe in the history that says there was in 70 A.D. Uh-huh. The first was taken away in the person of the crucified Christ through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And the second was established in that person. In that same person, because that same person is the second. Even the Lord from heaven. Now, that that person dwells in me and in you, that is the miracle of our salvation. My prayer, and I'm going to close right here. My prayer for me and for you and for all those that we have ever spoken to And for all those that we shall yet speak to, my prayer is that you would come to the Father's view of your salvation. Throughout the Old Testament, God gave views of that salvation, primarily to the prophets. People like Isaiah, people like Ezekiel, people like Jeremiah, people like Daniel. Oh, Lord God, look what man has done to that. But what was really given to them was an exalted view of the Son of God, who, yes, was coming. And is now come and does now by his eternal spirit dwell in you. Hun, my prayer is that you and I would turn inwardly to see him, to know him. You can get so bogged down in the creeds. 
That's like getting bogged down in the concepts of the law and in the bondage of the law. And in the days of Paul, many believers were doing that. They were doing that. Many of the Christian Jews, those that had accepted the Lord, were going back to those concepts. And you find the same thing. Oh, not that law, but the same thing in the concepts and the so-called creeds. None of which go back to the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nor to any in whom He was revealed. Let's go back to so-called Christian religion as it was established by man. But hon, what I'm telling you is none of that has stopped or in any way taken away from what God not only hath purposed, declared and chosen, but hath done in His Son. A prayer is that we would all together see Him who is in you. And to that end, we're ready to preach this gospel until the day that we die, physically. And the only thing that happens then is the death of a physical body. Because the gospel... Is bound up and secure in the eternal Son Himself. Our purpose in being here in this place is that that gospel go forth throughout the body of Christ and around the world. Blessed be His precious name. So we invite you to let us hear from you. You have questions, comments, whatever. We love communication among the children of God, the saints, the born-again ones, the body of Jesus Christ. I'd like to just mention to you, you who, because there are several that will see this, some at one time, others at another time, Begin to make plans right now. Now we'll see some of you in different places. Begin to make plans right now to be with us in the month of June 2020 for a week-long Bible conference right here every year. Begin to make plans to be with us right now. And then don't let anything other than your physical death, keep you from being here. For our gathering is unto Him. Very quickly, let me say how much we appreciate you who have 
chosen to help us through your support continue to do what we're doing. Not help us sit here, but help us in the outreach of this gospel, which is what you're watching right now. The outreach of this gospel throughout his body and around the world. I'm just trusting God for greater ways than we have even now to reach out through his body and around the world. May the Lord richly bless you. Look forward to seeing you next time. Amen.